Chapter Twenty of the Story of Mankind. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Crandall. The Story of Mankind by Hendrik von Loon. Chapter Twenty. Alexander the Great. Alexander the Macedonian establishes a Greek world empire, and what became of this high ambition? When the Achaeans left their homes along the banks of the Danube to look for pastures new, they had spent some time among the mountains of Macedonia. Ever since, the Greeks had maintained certain more or less formal relations with the people of this northern country. The Macedonians, from their side, had kept themselves well informed about conditions in Greece. Now it happened, just when Sparta and Athens had finished their disastrous war for the leadership of Hellas, that Macedonia was ruled by an extraordinarily clever man by the name of Philip. He admired the Greek spirit in letters and art, but he despised the Greek lack of self-control in political affairs. It irritated him to see a perfectly good people waste its men and money upon fruitless quarrels. So he settled the difficulty by making himself the master of all Greece, and then he asked his new subjects to join him on a voyage which he meant to pay to Persia, in return for the visit which Xerxes had paid the Greeks one hundred and fifty years before. Unfortunately, Philip was murdered before he could start upon this well-prepared expedition. The task of avenging the destruction of Athens was left to Philip's son Alexander, the beloved pupil of Aristotle, wisest of all Greek teachers. Alexander bade farewell to Europe in the spring of the year 334 B.C. Seven years later he reached India, in the meantime, he had destroyed Phoenicia, the old rival of the Greek merchants. He had conquered Egypt, and had been worshipped by the people of the Nile Valley as the son and heir of the pharaohs. He had defeated the last Persian king, he had overthrown the Persian empire, he had given orders to rebuild Babylon, he had led his troops into the heart of the Himalayan mountains, and had made the entire world a Macedonian province and dependency. Then he stopped, and announced even more ambitious plans. The newly formed empire must be brought under the influence of the Greek mind. The people must be taught the Greek language. They must live in cities built after a Greek model. The Alexandrian soldier now turned schoolmaster. The military camps of yesterday became the peaceful centers of the newly imported Greek civilization. Higher and higher did the flood of Greek manners and Greek customs rise, when suddenly Alexander was stricken with a fever, and died in the old palace of King Hammurabi of Babylon in the year 323. Here you see a picture of Greece, two columns surrounded by a field of weeds. Then the waters receded, but they left behind the fertile clay of a higher civilization, and Alexander, with all his childish ambitions and his silly vanities, had performed a most valuable service. His empire did not long survive him. A number of ambitious generals divided the territory among themselves, but they too remained faithful to the dream of a great world brotherhood of Greek and Asiatic ideas and knowledge. They maintained their independence until the Romans added Western Asia and Egypt to their other domains. The strange inheritance of this Hellenistic civilization, part Greek, part Persian, part Egyptian and Babylonian, fell to the Roman conquerors. During the following centuries it got such a firm hold upon the Roman world that we feel its influence in our own lives to this very day. End of chapter 20 Recorded by Michelle Crandall, 
Fremont, California, November 2008.